this chick in some work, but I finally have them. There's rumors, Amanda, that some of them have abilities. Oh, yeah. I have seen things. Maybe Superman was some kind of beacon for them to creep back from the shadows. This is now playing's DC Movie Universe Retrospective Series. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. Part of the now playing DC Comic Movie Series. I'm putting together a team. Can't save the world alone. Hosted by Arnie. My special skills include uh, viola, uh, web design, fluent in sign language. Stuart. You said you'd come. Now let's hope you're not too late. And Jacob. He said he'll fight with us. More or less. More, more or more or less. At NowPlayingPodcast.com, we will be reviewing all the DC Universe movies featuring Superman. I grew up in Kansas, Jim. About as American as it gets. Batman. We just have a bad history with freaks dressed like clowns. Wonder Woman. Oh, I don't think you've ever known a woman like me. Suicide Squad. What the hell's wrong with you people? We're bad guys. It's what we do. And Justice League. They said the age of heroes would never come again. It has to. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Are you effing stupid? Listener discretion is advised. Let's go save the world. Today, we're discussing Justice League. Starring Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Gal Gadot, Ezra Miller, Jason Momoa, Ray Fisher, directed by Zack Snyder, we think. Or is it? <laughs> Some of the time. This is the now-playing co-host who was born to be wild on a magic carpet ride. Love me some Steppenwolf, Arnie. <laughs> and Stuart. And this is the host with special skills that include fluency in gorilla sign language. This is Jacob. So welcome back to Justice League, the film they've been promising us since 2007. Do you remember that when they had it completely cast and Army Hammer was going to be the Batman? Huh? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> 2007, Marvel was ramping up to go Iron Man. Warner Brothers actually cast an entire Justice League movie, and that was the statement. They were going to start with Justice League and then get to the individual heroes. And so they had everybody cast for a Justice League movie, contract signed. Then there was a Writers Guild strike, and The Dark Knight came out after that and just made so much money that Warner Brothers was like, all right, let's put this idea back. Let's let Batman make his money and Nolan do his thing versus having, they were gonna have two Batmans simultaneously in theaters, Army Hammer in the Justice League movie with Christian Bale in the Nolan films. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, when you said 2007, that being before Dark Knight, that's inconceivable that they would throw away what Nolan was doing midstream there. I mean, you let Nolan finish a trilogy, and then you can talk about building a universe after that. I think everything changed with The Dark Knight and how much bank it made, and that's why they brought Nolan in to produce or executive produce Man of Steel and tried to make Superman into the box office juggernaut that Batman had become under Nolan, and then... Marvel made a billion dollars with Avengers, and so plans were Superman movie, Batman movie, Superman movie 2, Justice League movie, all got kaflooey as we ended up with Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, 
Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, the breakaway hit of the series, and now finally Justice League. Okay, well, you know what? Nolan is the reason why this universe is dark. And I'm going to just go ahead and admit it. I kind of feel like Goldilocks. When I see a Marvel movie, I'm always saying, they're too light. They're too frivolous. And when I see a DC movie, I'm always like, they're unfun. They're dark. I need to find that balance. And I keep hoping that they will. The problem seems to be that Zack Snyder is so in love with what Nolan did, and Zack Snyder is no Christopher Nolan. Yeah, you're blaming Nolan, which I think he would do a dark DC universe if he was directing and and really in charge. I don't know how much he does as an executive producer, except it gets his name on there, so gives it more credibility. But I look at that Wonder Woman movie, something that Snyder didn't have any influence in. It's a very different type of movie for this DC universe. Yeah, I just want to go ahead and just state where I'm at in this battle, because I know it is a battle. There's Marvel people and there's DC people. I think personally, I like the grim take that DC has taken. They take real world corollaries. They try to do it in a serious, dramatic way. I think that's always my preference. I also will say, I think DC has the better, more iconic heroes. I think I actually like the characters. If I read comic books, I would read their comic books, but Marvel attracts the talent. If you want to look at the best directors, the best actors, and overall quality control, Marvel is winning this fight hands down. People know I love Marvel as far as comics go. If I were to read comics, and I have kind of stopped lately, but I would read Marvel comics because that's who I kind of grew up with. But I also grew up with Superman and Batman. I watched the same number of cartoons for each, but I agree with you. Other than Spider-Man, there's nobody who stands up to the plate with Batman and Superman. But that said, I know people have come to our Facebook page and spewed some venom about how all three of us are just Marvel zombies who are going to diss on DC. Some may even believe we are the critics who are receiving payola from Marvel (laughs) to damn DC films. Did they hear my review of Doctor Strange? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give a fair shake to any superhero movie because I love superhero movies. Yeah, and you know what? I am a DC guy when it came to the comics. I much prefer the DC. Universe again, it's just a crazier universe to me. There's magic and multiple dimensions, and Marvel's always just been more grounded, which just didn't have the appeal for the craziness I want in a comic book. But these DC movies have failed to capture what is appealed to me in the comic books. You know, those Marvel ones have worked better, they're just a different type of universe. But I want a DC film to work. I think that's why I gave Batman v Superman the slightest pass because I like these characters, I want to see big screen versions that are fun to watch. I went back to rewatch it because I usually try to, particularly when I saw things I liked, but ultimately gave it a red arrow. So I went back to watch Batman v Superman. And I will say this, the general take on the fight, I really like. When you think about the fact that Superman is God and Batman represents mankind and it's kind of a Prometheus thing where God doesn't like that man is getting uppity and man doesn't like being beholden to a power that he can't trust and all of that existential crisis I think plays really well. And there is reason to, I think, be on Team Batman. I can see that now. I couldn't see that then. If you take his vision of Darkseid, and I know we're going to talk about that again, of a future that is possible. If you didn't see that as just some stupid dream sequence, but what they are actually building to in this universe, then I think that you could make the case that Superman's power needs to be put into check. That said, I stand by the Red Arrow because when it's time to throw the punches, it's very unsatisfying that Lex Luthor has contrived it with stealing his mama and his girlfriend. That just sinks the movie. It just totally torpedoes what's an uneven but compelling film into just junk. 
I think that it's great that they want to go for that serious tone, but you become self-serious and you become a parody when you can't back it up with things that are credible. When you do camp and tell us that it's Shakespeare, that's a failure. You wind up in X-Men Origins Wolverine territory. (laughs) And that movie caused backlash. I mean... It did fine, and I liked it. I liked Batfleck quite a bit. I think I said he could be my favorite Batman. I thought that they had some solid ground there. I Green Arrow did. I just also thought that Doomsday was a crazy monster at the end, and Martha pulled the punch of the entire Batman-Superman fight there. But because of that movie and the trailers for Suicide Squad, we knew Suicide Squad underwent extensive reshoots and many last-minute changes, and we reviewed that and all agreed that it didn't exactly feel cohesive. (laughs) And now we're kind of dealing with the same thing with Justice League, and so much has come to light over the past few days since release, but... Zack Snyder filmed this entire movie. There's tons of scenes in the trailers that are not in the movie that were not filmed as trailer scenes. The rumor is Zack Snyder had this film at a director's or editor's cut at 180 minutes. And a leak out of Warner Brothers described it as unwatchable. Mm. And the studio came in with a mandate You are not to be one minute over 120 minutes. Okay. (laughs) So do we know, I mean, Zack Snyder, he had to step away for personal reasons, some tragedy in his family. And I want to just express our condolences. That's a terrible thing, his daughter's suicide, and we will not make light of that in any way. Our heart goes out to him. I can't imagine the tragedy. I agree. Whatever I feel about him as a director, as another human being, you hate to see someone being in that position. And whether he stepped aside because he emotionally couldn't handle the pressures of directing a movie on this scale or whether his cut wasn't working and they used that as the excuse to get him out. I'm still very sad that he wasn't able to finish his vision. And do we know, was he going to have to do the reshoots? Did they do that because he did step away and they got Joss Whedon? It sounds like this was already in trouble, even if Zack Snyder was still around. They had brought Joss Whedon in. Remember, he'd been hired to do Batgirl, which is still one of the 20 (laughs) Warner Brother DC movies on the slate that we'll talk about at the end of the show. Oh, good. Suit me up, Uncle Alfred. But he'd been brought over to do some rewriting on the script and some script polishes so that they could do reshoots. And Snyder, after his daughter's suicide, continued to work on the project for several months. And it was after a couple of months before the reshoots, he said that he tried to use work to get through the problems. He couldn't do it. And so he had to step away. I can imagine, though, that work was not very pleasant if you had executives saying, you need to fix what you broke, starting off by saying, we're giving you the keys to the kingdom, Zach. Make Man of Steel, make the sequel, make the Justice League. We want your vision. But after Batman v Superman, they brought in some DC Comics executives to put over him. Yeah, Jeff Johns, who's a comic book writer and editor for DC, who's done Justice League comics. Not only that, but I get a sense that Zack Snyder, at least when you look at his movies, they're popcorn films, but he has that dark streak in them. He's getting the directive from all these executives, lighten up, be fun. Well, if the guy's having a death in the family, you're just not in that headspace. Mm -hmm. It would be like going to Trent Reznor and say, write a bubblegum pop song. You just, it's the wrong person for the wrong job. It's not the right fit. And so I've read online of the breakdowns, people who've seen this film five or six times and think they see the seams between the Whedon stuff and the Snyder stuff. The official line is that 
only 15 to 20 percent of the finished film is reshot material well i think you can tell some of it anytime that superman's lips don't look quite right (laughs) arnie was the one that gave me that tip i didn't even remember this though it's really funny i'd forgotten that Henry Cavill was shooting Mission Impossible 6 and had a mustache, and Paramount was just being bitchy, right? It's so much easier to put on a realistic fake mustache than to CGI out a mustache. But Paramount's like, no, he has to keep that mustache, so they had to CGI it out on his lip for every scene. And I'm watching this movie forgetting that, and I'm staring at his teeth. There's something. I'm just obsessed with the teeth. And then I went in spoiler-free. I didn't read any articles. I didn't even watch the later trailers. But as I do after seeing the movie Thursday night, packed IMAX theater, I might add, I went online the next day and started reading the articles and went, oh, yeah, that's what was up with that lip. And I do think there's some lines and some sensibility that reminds me of Whedon. Keep in mind, this was the guy that did Avengers. We'll see that influence here. They're definitely stepping away from the dark, both in the plot and in trying to write this franchise. That said, several of the jokes that are here were in Snyder's original script. The One of the big jokes that I really thought was a Whedon one of Aquaman sitting on the lasso, that was Snyder. And I will confess, I wasn't very excited to see this movie. The thing that held me and made me think that it was good and to ignore all of this bad press, because yes, I mostly didn't read it, but you couldn't avoid it. We knew this was a movie that was problematic, and I wasn't even sure they wouldn't pull it from this weekend and release it in March or something. Like, it felt like a movie that needed way more time to fix what was wrong with it. But I was really high on Wonder Woman. For me, that was the breakthrough in the DC world. The fact that she was coming in was a real feather in DC's cap. It said that they could make a movie as good as Marvel. And it also said something else that was important that I've never felt. And that is there are more interesting characters than Batman and Superman in the DC universe. I honestly, after even Suicide Squad felt really jazzed for Justice League, and I knew the DC movies were flawed, but I was anxious to see these heroes that I had seen in cartoon form up on the big screen, and Wonder Woman, I certainly liked it, but I'm not as high on it as apparently the rest of the world is. I felt like that third act really let me down to a point of being disappointing, and I've not gone back and revisited it. I had to read online that they added a post credit scene on the Blu-ray that ties it to Justice League when they're going to say they found some mother box in World War One. Ah, I was wondering about that. <laughs> they allude to that in this movie, but I was like, I don't recall that. Yeah. I did too, and I didn't buy Wonder Woman on Blu-ray, so I Googled it to see, like, did I forget that? No, it's an added scene on the Blu-ray. I got a digital copy. I'll have to see it's on there. I haven't sat through the credits again. But truthfully... It's the trailers for this one. It looked unfun. It looked unfinished. Nothing in the trailers said, come see me. And I live and die by trailers. But I have not been this unexcited for a major superhero movie since Superman Returns, the only Superman (laughs) film I've not seen in theaters. And this one would have been number two if it weren't for now playing. I'd have just waited for video like I did for Watchmen. 
Yeah, if you go back and listen to that Avengers episode, I was having anxiety attacks. Oh my gosh, we have done so much to build up to this. I hope I don't like lose my keys and I can't get to the movie theater to be like, <laughs> I was like panicking this. I was just like, someone please hide my keys. Please someone lock me in the garage and I can't get out for the week because it did look unfinished. Look, I want a good Justice League movie. I like the DC universe more, but nothing about what I saw in trailers was appealing to me. I went in with the lowest of expectations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. There was nothing for me in those trailers, but I kind of ignore trailers. Trailers lie. I mean, I feel at this point, trailers are cut to look a certain way. It wasn't hitting any of my sweet spots. Well, they should finish the CGI. How about selling me on that? It looked like Flash Gordon from 1980 in many of the scenes, but I was like, you know what? I'm holding to Wonder Woman. If Wonder Woman can hold this team together, then maybe it will be enough to push over the hill what wasn't working for me in Batman versus Superman. Listen, I agree completely that trailers lie. They're like cigarette salesmen. However, they're lying to tell you something's good. If you get a bad vibe off of a trailer, that's usually a sign of either A, that movie wasn't made for me, and there's a lot of those, like daddy's home too or b it's just a bad movie and so yeah that's why i would have waited for video on this one as a lot of people did i did see this a second time i went and saw it on imax opening night and then i went to a 3d screening on sunday morning a private showing i might add oh i was the only person there now there was a line for the imax show i think there were so many screens showing it in our town and this was one of the two 3D showings they were having. I think a lot of people wanted to wait for video and even more didn't want to see it in 3D. I know it's underperforming. They're saying 96 million. I'll say we're recording this a little later than usual. I went on a Saturday. I had to wait to my third choice of showings because they were almost all sold out unless you want to sit in that front row. So at least Saturday, out here in LA, people were going to see it. I saw it twice, too. The first night I saw it in Gotham. I went to the theater that no (laughs) one likes to go to that's dank and ugly and has dripping ceilings, and there were very few people in that, but I take that as a sign of people don't like going to that theater. Maybe 20 people. And then I went to a Sunday matinee where, yeah, I was in the second row because there were so many people there. And they were animated. This crowd was laughing it was giggling it was filled with children i had read ahead of time warner brothers here was their internal benchmark they said thor is a c-list character if batman and superman can't open bigger than thor we've screwed up they screwed up thor (laughs) opened at 123 million justice league opened at 95 we know that they spent $300 million making it. I just know there's going to be some statements lobbed at us. I don't know what either of you think of this movie. We don't pre-talk. Nope. So, no matter what we say, I know that there will be some comments. We're either paid off by Marvel or DC fanboys. <laughs> there's no in-between. Really paid off? I can't believe anyone thinks that I'm getting paid to say the things I say about superhero movies. I don't know that they think we're getting paid off, but there is the conspiracy theory that Marvel is paying reviewers and things. But a friend of mine, Tommy Garvey, went into Reddit and he went through hundreds and hundreds of comments and he's broken out the most common reasons that these comments say Justice League did not perform to expectations. And I just want to lob these out here for quick responses. Agree, disagree. Okay. One, 
Marvel released Punisher this weekend deliberately. No one wants to go to a crowded theater to see a movie. They'll just stay home and watch Punisher and go to Justice League later. I watched the first episode of that Punisher. I don't think that's keeping people away from Justice League. I'll half agree. I think Marvel did that as a reaction. I think that was a mean, let's try to do what we can to ruin this box office. But I don't know how impactful it would be. If you really wanted to see Justice League, you were going to go this weekend. This was no Stranger Things 2. No. I don't think that it had the effect, but I agree with you, Stuart. I think Marvel may have been like, yeah, we're going to put it here for the reason. They're in a war. I get it. It's Pepsi and Coke. Two, the studio mandated a two-hour runtime. You can't do any team movie with a two-hour runtime and Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't count. And that's why it underperformed? No, it would make more money because you could show it more times in a day. Yeah, and I disagree that you can't tell a good story with multiple characters in two hours. Sure you can. If the writing's there, yeah, I don't think that's a problem. So what they're really saying is that the movie's bad and people aren't going, but it's bad because it's two hours. Yeah, they wanted it longer. They wanted more of that bad stuff. Okay. Advertising budget wasn't good enough and what they did put out was terrible. Yes, the advertising's bad. I'll agree. I thought the Comic-Con teaser had me pumped. It really did. The more I saw, the less I liked it. So I'll agree what they put out was terrible. I don't feel they underspent, though, because I couldn't escape the ads for this. Yeah, it was everywhere. I don't even have cable television, and there was ads everywhere that I saw. Next, Thor was released too close to it, as was Wonder. (laughs) If you added up their audiences, Justice League would have had all of that. Okay, now they're worried about a little deformed kid? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, look... Wonder didn't take any money away from this. Aw, that's... Admittedly, he is a more fearsome foe than Steppenwolf. Zack Snyder's vision wasn't followed and Joss Whedon doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) Avengers was okay, but Joss destroyed the chance of the beautiful trilogy Zack had planned. Okay, I'm just gonna throw that... No, that's a garbage argument. I just don't even (laughs) respond to that. Avengers okay? There's already bias in that assumption there. I would say I would like to have seen what he made. I will leave it at that, which is not to say that I think it would be better, and definitely not to say that I think a three-hour Zack Snyder would make more money or be more commercially viable. Obviously, Whedon pleases crowds more. He appeals to the children in the audience much more than Zack Snyder. I would love to see Zack Snyder's work print cuts. I really would. There's too much footage lying around for there not to be more on a Blu-ray, but I don't think that we'll ever see what studio executives didn't want us to see. No, next one. Zack Snyder sucks. He's always sucked and DC keeps letting him and then wonders why they fail. Yeah, I kind of agree with that one. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not a Zack Snyder fan. I've not try to hide that at all. Ever since that Man of Steel, which I liked a lot of that, I recommended it, but also we're going to blow up Metropolis and have Superman snap people's necks. No, I don't like his take. I'm not a big fan. Uh, I'll leave it at that. (laughs) He's made some movies that I've liked okay, but honestly, he just seems like a fanboy. If you wanted someone to really make this style work, you would have paid what Christopher Nolan needed to make it happen. And I loved Dawn of the Dead. I've liked a couple of Snyder's DC movies. You liked Watchmen after you had to watch it like six times. But Sucker Punch is still like the epitome of... Still never seen it. Again, I've never met a human being that ever, ever said nice things about it. It's so bad. Next, there's too much humor. DC fans don't want to see Marvel movies. They want to see DC movies. I mean, Lego Batman did a 
ton of money and that's a DC movie. I mean, I don't agree with that. People that like Zack Snyder's vision don't want humor maybe, but look, Thor, $120 million opening weekend. People want humor in their superhero movies. And I will go this far and say it was what made DC distinctive. And the fact that they're going to go away from that does feel like they are waving a white flag. To a certain degree, they admit that their path didn't work. If you're already a DC versus Marvel person, you went out and bought the ticket. Yeah, and again, I'm going off like my wife's reaction. She is not a comic book person. I mean, her favorite superhero movies, Deadpool, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Thor Ragnarok. I mean, that's what she enjoys in these superhero action movies. As just someone that doesn't care what publisher they're coming from, she just wants to be entertained. Okay, just a couple more. It's the wrong Justice League. Where's Martian Manhunter and Green Lantern? Cyborg isn't even supposed to be on this team. Well, if you've read the New 52, Cyborg is on it. They replaced Martian Manhunter with Cyborg because they were doing something else with them. Look, we'll talk about it when we're getting the film. They bring up the Green Lanterns. I Because they did that, I'm wondering where the Green Lantern is in this film. You mentioned Martian Manhunter, and I think about, I think it was Kelsey Grammer with a pot belly. No, <laughs> yeah. it was David Ogden Stiers, even worse than Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, uh, again, we've seen Justice League before, and we've covered that movie, and... Uh, I don't know if I'd call that Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't want to remember some of those characters. It's Suicide Squad's fault, because it sucked and ruined the momentum of the storytelling Zack Snyder had going. I'm gonna say no, because Wonder Woman would have overridden any bump in momentum Suicide Squad caused. Yeah, they're trying to blame Suicide Squad for this. Again, I think Suicide Squad was slightly better than Batman v Superman. I don't think it ruined the momentum. Alright, here's the last reason. It hasn't failed! Shut up! It's making a lot of money! Don't believe the fake news! I actually support that. I agree. Yeah. Why is everyone so quick to do... I mean, we're three days from an opening. I don't think you'll know what kind of legs it has. Avatar might have been perceived as a failed opener at $70 million. Well, it went on to be the biggest film of all time. I mean, this movie will live and die by how people see it in a year, two years from now. But we live in times where, you know, it's like The Flash. We want instant gratification, instant declaration of win or lose. But more important than his box office, I mean, we need to talk about quality. I mean, I'm never moved by whether masses have paid money to see something. I want to know whether it moves me. And so I guess we got to get into this. Arnie, give him the plot. Let's talk about Justice League. Superman is dead, and without him, the world has plunged into depression. Most of all, Lois Lane, played by Amy Adams, can't bear to report on real news anymore. And Martha Kent, Superman's mom, lost her house to foreclosure. Worst of all, Superman's death has brought about an opportunity for alien invasion. Steppenwolf, an alien played by Kieran Hines, tried to destroy and invade Earth thousands of years ago, but the Amazons, the Atlanteans, the Green Lanterns, even the Greek gods teamed up to repel him. But now with the world divided and Superman dead, Steppenwolf has returned. He must gather his three MacGuffins, <laughs> one from the Amazons, one from the Atlantans, and one hidden by humans, and then he will destroy the planet. When the Amazons lose their mother box, which is what the MacGuffins are called, they call out to Wonder Woman Diana Prince, played by Gal Gadot, and she in turn goes to the Batman Bruce Wayne, played by Ben Affleck. They also recruit the Aquaman Arthur Curry, an Atlantean prince who acts like a biker, played by Jason Momoa. He's very strong, and he might be able to talk to fish. They also recruit Barry Allen, played by Ezra Miller, a young man who was struck by lightning and can now move very fast. And they finally get Victor Stone, played by Ray Fisher, 
Victor was nearly killed in an explosion, but his father was a scientist working on the Kryptonian mothership and used one of Steppenwolf's mother boxes to bring his son back to life. But now Victor's more machine than man with an alien language in his head. Together, they realize there's still not enough and they need Superman. So they use a mother box to bring the dead Kryptonian hero, played by Henry Cavill, back to life. And thank goodness they did, because although pissed at first, he comes around and helps the heroes defeat Steppenwolf and save the lives of at least four Russians who seemed the most in danger. <laughs> although they're dying of radiation poisoning. I mean, that nuclear reactor like already had a meltdown. That threat repelled, they decide to stay together as a team as credits roll to a scene of Lex Luthor, played by Jesse Eisenberg, and Deathstroke, played by Joe Maganello, who decide to form a league of their own. I just hope they do the Super Friends thing with their Legion of Doom hideout in a swamp. <laughs> yeah, the fact that it was on a yacht definitely had me thinking about that cartoon version where it was <laughs> something floating in a swamp. Now, when this movie starts, we get a DC logo. There's a hierarchy to this. I paid attention now. Batman number one, Superman number two, Wonder Woman number three. I think that's all inarguable, right? Those are the three. Aquaman number four? Yeah. He's been around since 1941 in the comics. Five? Cyborg. Who, again, he's been around ooh, 70s or 80s. He was created, but I feel like he's become more popular again when DC rebooted everything with the new 52. And maybe that Teen Titans Go cartoon that's popular with kids. He's a character on there, so maybe that's a, there's some appeal there. Flash, and then at the bottom of the barrel, Green Lantern. <laughs> and you know what? This is just the people they have movies being made of right now. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. Who knows if they'll get made, but sure. I thought it was interesting that we start with a camera phone video of Superman by a couple of kids recording it for their podcast. Yeah. Yeah, come on, a podcast recording on your phone. And people, if you're doing video, landscape. <laughs> so sick of portrait videos from phones. Turn it sideways. I had to ask, though, it ends on a teaser because they ask him, does the S really stand for hope? And yeah. Yeah, he did some, I don't know, what was he saying? It's like a river flowing, ugh. This is just bad dialogue. They say at the end, though, what's the best thing about Earth? He turns, he smiles, he opens his mouth, and do we ever find out? <laughs> they don't want to confirm what we've hated. It's Lois Lane. We've said, and we've called him out on it, this is a Superman that seems entirely motivated about Lois Lane, and they don't want to confirm that that is the only reason he is still on this planet. They confirm it in this movie. I mean, it's all about Lois Lane. It is, yes. A lot of things are confirmed with him. My question for him is, what are you eating? Because clearly there's something up with your mouth this is a Whedon scene this is something that they shot at the last minute to bring humor and humanizing and to remind us why we like Superman so that when we start with the next images and we have a montage of all the ways that the world is mourning what is this bullshit we're, we're, yeah we're supposed to believe what Superman was being a superhero for what maybe two or three years and all of a sudden the world is in despair and what do they show us that's so bad look skinheads are bad and they're terrorizing some muslims by flipping their orange stand the cops come and arrest them this seems like our world today are we in a great depression because superman's dead i don't understand this whole conceit that the world is doomed because there's no superman who again was around for maybe a couple of years fighting crime Forget how much he was around. When he was around, they couldn't just wait to kick him down. He never represented hope to anyone. He represented a legal alien threatening us. <laughs> no one ever liked him. You guys never liked him. And now we're all sad because he's gone. <laughs> and more, this is 
quite obviously a Zack Snyder credit sequence. You could not rip off the Watchmen credits more when you've got this piano version of Everybody Knows by Sigrid and the slow-mo and everything. I'm like, well, Whedon just looked at this and was like, that's done. I'm not changing that a note because it is so maudlin and so slow-mo and so everything Watchmen. Yeah, I I don't mind the credit sequence. I just find that this is a false impression they're creating here. They want to tell us that the world got dark because we all were sad about Superman, and that's why we're going to have the threat descend on us. That the villain couldn't have come to Earth if we weren't in such a dark place. I want to just remind everyone we were in a dark place when Superman was on Earth as well. There was no love for that character. Yeah, the whole premise of this film is that we haven't had an alien invasion because Superman's not around. Well, he wasn't around for most of the Earth's history. Like, these aliens could have come at any time. But I guess, yeah, now we're so sad because this guy died that none of us liked. And Batman knows something about this because his introductory scene here on a Gotham rooftop, it was the second time I watched it where I think I understood it. The first time, it feels like happenstance. Oh, I see this cat burglar coming out of a building and I'm going to dangle him off the building. And because he's so afraid of falling, that that's going to bring a parademon, which is lured by the smell of fear, to the scene of this crime. That's not what he was doing? No, it's actually, he knew it was coming. He looked at his wristwatch. This was bait. He did this to get the bug here. I thought, and I still think. We should have started with separate heroes. We haven't seen much of Batman. We really haven't seen Batman stop any crime except when he rescued Martha too. I think starting having Batman stop a cat burglar would have been the right way to introduce us into Batman's world. That's what they did in Batman 89. Yeah, the fact that he somehow knows about this parademon scout... And he knows it's a scout of an alien race that's coming. He's going to fight him. I've seen this movie twice. I still didn't catch at any point that Batman makes a siren. But that's going to be a big thing for him and Alfred is that's the noise that attracted the Parademon. I thought it was the fear that attracted the Parademon. Yeah, I was confused by that too. Here's what it is. Fear draws the bug. The siren they play while they're fighting in the air. And that's what causes it to get discombobulated. It ends up falling back to the roof so he can net him. So that was ultimately the siren made him, I guess, less of a a talented fly. Oh, I'm super confused then because at the end it looks like they use the sirens to draw all the parademons together like they're attracted to it. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. They said they're drawn to the noise. Yeah. But yeah, but at the beginning, it makes it seem like it weakens them. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think we're going to be talking about things that conflict a lot because we have two different visions and scenes that have been stitched together and repurposed. And the one for me that was really weird was, okay, it explodes for some reason being in this net. (laughs) The net doesn't cause it to explode, but maybe the siren caused it to explode. That would be convenient. I thought it was a self-destruct thing. Like, you're not going to get any information out of me. But it leaves behind three splotches, which are like the three boxes of this plot. I presume because the box was used to turn humans into these parademons, that's why it has a three-part abdomen. (laughs) It's really weird that every time you squash a bug, it's going to leave a picture of your MacGuffin right there for you. Yeah, Yeah, I guess it's very convenient to get this plot going. I mean, with two hours, you got to be efficient. This is from the comics. The way they look is pretty much from there. This whole storyline, again, when they did the New 52 and rebooted everything in the Justice League series, it was about the Justice League coming together because... 
they find parademons, and that leads to Darkseid showing up, not Steppenwolf. They just cut to the bad guy we want to see in the comics, but this is pretty much straight from there. We've seen this before. This was in that Darkseid vision. Yeah. If you recall, Batman, when he thought he was buying kryptonite and was tricked by Superman soldiers or whatever, in come these things flying to pick up bodies I wasn't sure whether they were working for evil Superman or maybe just had their own agenda in this post-apocalypse, but this was a future that they're still building to. I now believe that that dream sequence that we had in Batman versus Superman is starting to lay stepping stones towards their idea of an infinity war and dark side, whatever that is. But yeah, I I know that this is pretty true to the comics, but this entire opening with Batman and Alfred has me a little bit confused as to how they know what they know and how Lex Luthor's notes tie to it. That they're not going to have Jesse Eisenberg. His scenes were all cut except for the very end of the film, but they're going to have all these notes and all these notes have these squares. And maybe it's because we're doing Hellraiser as a donation series, but I'm like, it's all LaMarchand's configuration? What's going on? My wife made that same connection she's like is this like a secret hellraiser phil no it's a mummy sequel i think one thing alfred said that really stood out to me akhenaten it was notes about akhenaten and they show a, a picture of hieroglyphs with these three boxes they wanted to work in some subplot about some egyptian deity and maybe going to pyramids or something <laughs> are we gonna get a hawkman movie because i know there's some reiterations of hawkman where they're reincarnated egyptian gods or something maybe they're trying to tie that in perhaps all i can say is this is anticlimactic When you think about the ending of Batman versus Superman and Bruce Wayne at the funeral being like, we got to get a team together because it is coming. All right, this is something bad, right? This is going to be real scary. Fear mosquitoes and a guy in a horn hat that, (laughs) I mean, I guess it's like Marvel, Chitauri and the lava monster from Ragnarok, but this is not epic. It's Suicide Squad to me. It's reincarnated dead folk with an obvious CGI giant in the middle. Isn't that exactly what we had at Suicide Squad? Well, and the fact that they're going to try to just terraform the Earth again like a Man of Steel. Can we stop this? Transformers has done this like five times in their movies. Can we just stop trying to transform Earth into something else? Oh, it's really confusing because he's going to transform the Earth before he destroys it. It's going to first become like his planet and then go boom. I don't understand why we have to have that middle step. Is that what it is? I thought he was just trying to make another apocalypse, which is the planet that he's from. He's presumably been banished from Earth for a millennia. He lives on a planet to come here and make it exactly like the planet he was from. (laughs) I mean, is that just like people that travel abroad and only eat at McDonald's? I I don't get it. Like, why don't you just stay home if you really like home? Yeah, what's weird is they never explain why is Earth the target of Steppenwolf. Again, in that New 52 Justice League, you find out Darkseid is going from parallel worlds to parallel worlds all over the place, taking them over. So eventually, yeah, he's going to come to Earth. But here, it seems like they really want Earth bad for some reason. I don't know why, though. Here's how I took it, but I guess I was projecting because now that you guys are bringing it up. Yes, you were because there's no reason in the film. No, there's none. I took it as they were like Galactus and they just went world to world destroying them. And millennia ago, 
in some really ripped off from Lord of the Rings flashback <laughs> where the three armies of Earth all fought for the one ring. Yeah, six <laughs> mother boxes for the dwarves, nine for the men, three mother boxes for the elven kings. Come on. Yeah, but including the CGI battle where you have Atlanteans and apparently Ares was in there somewhere. He's in the credits. Ares, the bad guy from Wonder Woman. I saw him, yeah. Was in this massive battle and so they banish Steppenwolf and what I get from the dialogue then so I don't know why Steppenwolf came the first time but he has a vengeance to return. Steppenwolf can we just stop there? Seriously (laughs) this is your villain? What's next? Leonard the Skinnerd? (laughs) Mac Fleetwood and Steely Dan are going to come in and kick some ass? Look I agree. No one cares about Steppenwolf. I am a huge Jack Kirby fan. I love his New Gods which was really revolutionary at the time when he did in the 70s which is like hey all the Greek gods, all the gods of mythology and implying that the Christian gods and all that, they've all died and now I'm going to create like sci-fi gods. I'm trying to think into the future and you had your High Father and you had Darkseid and then Darkseid had all his minions and Steppenwolf was the general. But look, you could have got like Granny Goodness. That's a bad guy that Darkseid hangs out with. Like there's some goofy ass names, but Steppenwolf, all I'm thinking about is that rock band, which came out before the comic did. So I don't know if Jack Kirby just stole that name or what, but yeah, all you think about. Yeah, and it's, I want to point out the band got it from a 1927 Herman Hesse novel that you have to read in English class that basically talks about the inner wolf of a guy wandering around in Germany in the 20s. I don't understand how you extrapolate from that horn guy in video game. (laughs) Yeah, and can I just say the CGI in this movie is not up to par. If this was 2002, I'd probably be like, this is great. But these parademons... I thought ILM might have reused Geonosians from Attack of the Clones and not upgraded the amount of polygons used. And I saw Thor just a couple weeks ago, and I know Korg is a CGI creation, but at no point did I think Korg was a CGI creation who looked fake. And I didn't think that about Hulk. This movie, every time I see Steppenwolf, I think Lawnmower Man. He's too glossy. He's too fake. I'm like, you really brought an actor in for this role? I, I won't go as far as Lawnmower Man, but I've been playing Wolfenstein 2 on the Xbox. And yeah, he looks like something in those cutscenes where it just doesn't have that polish on it. I'll be slightly nicer, or maybe it's meaner, I'm not sure. But back in <laughs> about 10 years ago, when Robert Zemeckis was really trying to make motion capture happen with Beowulf and what have you. It, Ooh, yeah. The Polar Express, you know, like there's just Ugh. something about it that doesn't feel natural. And even though it can kind of look good in maybe a still shot, when you see it move, when you see it try to act, it's just unnerving. I will say this, in IMAX 2D, all this shit looked bad. When I saw it in 3D, the 3D is atrocious. There's only one good 3D scene in the entire movie, and that's when the Flash grabs the Batarang. But other than that, at least the dark glasses made all of the CGI look a little better. (laughs) Turn the lights off, shut the movie off, it looks a lot better. I think what we're saying is see the 2D version with sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) Wait till it comes out on standard definition television. And what, again, as a comic book fan and someone that notices these these things, there's Green Lanterns fighting in this big war. There's no Green Lantern in this film, which seems super weird that it's the end of the Earth and even the Green Lantern for this sector, even if he's not an Earthling in this continuity, doesn't come around to help fight it. But there are Green Lanterns here. Well, there's also Atlanteans and Amazons, and we're going to hear that the Atlanteans were driven underwater, but... Only Aquaman's going to come up and help. And then we're told 
the Amazons can't leave their island. I thought they just didn't want to. Like, they're agoraphobic. But... No, they said something about Wonder Woman in that film, like something bad might happen if she leaves. They don't know what will happen when they leave the island. But nothing bad happened. She's still immortal and super strong. I well, but they... she's also the god killer. She's like magic Amazon. Oh, true. But I would think if they could leave before, they could leave again. This was just exposition, reasons, reasons, blah, blah. Well, they don't even give reasons. It's exposition. They don't, it doesn't hold up for the rest of, again, I don't know why Steppenwolf doesn't show up 10 years later and try to do it all over again. There's no Superman around then. And I think we're to take it that man is the reason why these other two have been banished, that they haven't played nice and they've banished from their world the whole idea of fantasy creatures. And in doing so, they're the ones that have imprisoned mermen into Atlantis and Amazonians. Again, it's Lord of the Rings. It's man's fault that the ring wasn't destroyed. We'll see. Yeah, we don't know why the Atlanteans go underwater. We're just told they're driven there. We know why the Amazons end up on an island. We saw that again in Wonder Woman. And I think having seen Paradise Island before in Wonder Woman really helps. This scene is much stronger because we know Hippolyta. We have a sense of who the Amazons are, how tough they are. The fact that they are trampled and killed by Steppenwolf trying to get this box away from him and fail, it's much more exciting than when we do go to Atlantis, a place I've never seen before, and I couldn't help thinking of under the sea and a singing crowd, <laughs> and just, this does not look like a superhero realm, this looks like a Disney ride. They do call Aquaman the Little Merman, which was a clear reference or jab at that, and I'll agree with you that the Atlantean battle was really confusing to me, but... Both of these were so quick and over so quickly that I was surprised they even bothered to bring back Connie Nielsen. I guess we are setting up Steppenwolf as tough, but really all that happened on Paradise Island was a high stakes game of keep away where he just yeah. trying to keep the box away from Steppenwolf and then he's not even murderous to me a good bad guy would be like hey I got the box I'm gonna kill your queen and then leave too he's just like you'll all love me and then takes off they didn't want to show violence against females. It seems very obvious to me in these scenes, right before he's about to cut a woman in half, they cut away. We never see that death scene here. There's a, I think after that poster of the X-Men apocalypse, there's just some queasiness in our culture about seeing male characters commit violence on women. But here's the thing. None of this action is as compelling as anything that we saw in that Wonder Woman film with the flipping and shooting the three arrows. Yeah, they are tying a lasso around the mother box and tying that to an arrow so they could just shoot it further down the line, kick the can. Yeah, really, there wasn't a fight, it was a chase, and that was a bit disappointing to me, but yeah, neither of the two boxes Steppenwolf takes excite me, and that's how we're introduced to Steppenwolf, he just comes to Earth and lands on Paradise Island. Yeah, this is not the villain to excite an audience. It seems cut, dry, generic, goofy name with associations to 70s rock. He should have ridden a magic carpet. I mean, it really... <laughs> I mean, how much would it have set DC apart instead of being cock teases and making you wait, I don't know, 20 films before you get your big bad Thanos? Just have Darkseid show up and just go, we're making a statement. We're getting right to the stuff you want. It would have made no difference to me, Jacob. Steppenwolf, yeah, 
I do think of the band, but... <laughs> well, if you kept the same script, yes, it would have made no difference. Yeah, exactly. What is Darkseid going to do that Steppenwolf wasn't doing here? What you're saying is, let's not wait 20 films. Let's write a good script for this one. Yeah. I'll say this much. This is not a movie about the villain. That's what this announces. But I've greenlit many a Marvel movie that had a crappy villain. I think we've all agreed most of them can be pretty underwhelming. Usually they don't look this bad, but many of them <laughs> are just as underdeveloped and just as non-threatening. And so I'm not going to hold this movie accountable for having a generic bad guy. I'm going to look to the Justice League because that's after all what this is about. We do get started with Wonder Woman the way I kind of wanted to see Batman. She's in, is that London? Well, she's in France in the Louvre on, you know, her weekday, she's dusting off antiquities. But yeah, on her weekends, she does pop over to London and stop terrorists from taking over a courthouse. I was just confused. Look, I know we're going to get to the Flash, but why do you need the Flash when you already have Wonder Woman who's using super speed to block all the bullets? Even weirder, she kind of agrees with the terrorists that man has sinned with his technology and that we need to destroy technology, go back to the Dark Ages in order to live as proper moral human beings. Beings again, this is going to be the character that's going to argue for much of the movie that she doesn't like Wayne's tech and doesn't think they should revive Superman. When she saves them and stops all those bullets, which was a cool scene. Yeah. I like her move. I think it's her move to like do this baseball slide into things. She's going to bust <laughs> through the door in a cool way. I like her when she dodges the bullet with her head and whips her head around like, oh no, you didn't. That was my favorite spot. But when he stopped, the terrorist says, I don't believe it. What are you? And she says, a believer. And much like Superman's favorite thing, what does she believe? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand what that line means. Uh, maybe they wanted to cut to the Imagine Dragons soundtrack. So that's all I could think. My girls love that Imagine Dragons <laughs> song. I'm like, is it a reference to that? Because that's popular. It's a bad line written by a script <laughs> full of many bad lines. <laughs> Here's the thing. Wonder Woman is clearly my favorite going into this. I'm happy to see her early kicking some ass. It's not the greatest scene, but it does remind us that we like her. It reminded me that she was in a better movie that I liked much more. And I just spent the past two days looking at this film and thinking of so many ways it could have been better. You know, doing my own post-script rewrites. Now imagine if Batman had just stopped a cat burglar, so we're seeing Batman be heroic in Gotham City while still trying to reach out to the JLA as we saw before. And it's Wonder Woman who, like, has to fight parademons for the first time and go to Bruce and be like, yeah, the Amazons just got attacked and some parademons came after me because I'm an Amazon too, so we need to step things up. Just flip who they're fighting and at least things would flow a little bit more smoothly to where it's going. Yeah, but clearly this has been all rearranged. I mean, next scene, Bruce has a beard and he apparently has been traveling on a yak for a long time in Iceland <laughs> to get to some fishing village. He's like fire up the private plane to Alfred and then he's like been wandering around Iceland for months and growing a beard. Yeah, it's clearly. I mean, we can just see it. We don't need to pick it apart to know that this thing has been reassembled like Frankenstein. Guys, it's No Shave November. Obviously, he has a beard. <laughs> he just grows it fast. Yeah, I guess. I was really worried about this Aquaman being, I think we were joking before, he's going to be a bro. And I will say, I think they did something successful with them. He was my wife's favorite character, again, who has no stake in DC versus Marvel, any of that. She's like, oh yeah, you reminded me of Funny Thor from Ragnarok, so I liked him the most. Who is this character in this universe? What does he mean to me? And what I get is... Not much more than I got from the trailers. He's a monosyllabic, bearded guy with a lot of tats who just is born to be wild and wants to ride alone. 
Here's the problem. Everything is told to us, all these backstories for these characters who haven't had their own movies yet. And so we're told something. He's a half-breed, basically. His dad is human. His mom is Atlantean. And so he's never had any real loyalty. He comes and goes as he pleases. Yeah, I'm, of course, trying to find corollaries with Marvel characters. Thor was what I came to here because he is a bigger guy and he's prideful. And it does seem like he just doesn't want to commit to either land or sea. He likes his independence. He'll bring these Icelanders some fish every now and then, but he doesn't see himself as a hero, and he doesn't want to sign up with some guy who works in a shithole like Gotham. And it is a little... I mean, I laughed at the trailers like, you dress up like a bat. I mean, he's the only one who appears to have any perspective on these costumes. And of course, he can say that because he was always the joke of the DC Universe when you go back to that blonde, orange, and green iteration. Yeah, they had to Thor him up here because he is the joke because of that Super Friends cartoon, talking to fish and yeah. and yeah, that costume. I mean, even in the 90s, they knew they had to toughen him up. They cut his hand off and gave him a hook. I'm still not feeling this. Now, there was more story given to him. They hired Willem Dafoe to play some scenes. We see no Willem Dafoe here. And obviously, there's some shots here with Bruce that are green screened. I mean, certain scenes, they're in water and on land. And then there's certain scenes where they are so green screened. It's like high school morning show program. I could not believe how obvious it was when the insert shots came. He is not my least favorite character. I do feel like he's the one that is least served by the cut of this film. You can just feel like his entire arc, his story, he doesn't go anywhere. I mean, with many of these characters, I see them struggling with something. Wonder Woman will struggle to be a leader. Batman will stop being suicidal. But this guy, I don't get it. He becomes a team player, I guess. Like, he has this scene with Mera, played by Amber Heard, and who's a big character. I mean, they're married in the comics, but I just, like, move on. I don't even know what's going in, on in this scene. It's just a bunch of gobbledygook exposition that is doesn't pay off. Yeah, can she control water when she's fighting Steppenwolf? She, like, makes some hand motions like she's voguing, and Steppenwolf is in a water tornado that he just swims out of pretty quickly. They're gonna have words we're gonna find out. Yeah, I didn't even get that Aqua man was half human from this. I got that his parents weren't married, but I didn't know one was a human and one wasn't. And it's going to be his duty to go to the surface now and stop this. But none of the other Atlanteans are going to come with you to actually make it possible. Yeah, they make a big deal when he's like, I need something. And he's going to show up with that Triton, which I- Is that what he needed? I'm guessing because that's like his weapon. It's not set up as a big deal though. Yeah, it's really hard to follow anything about him. His big heroic moment is there's a boat that's sinking, and then he goes and just dumps the guy on a bar somewhere. What is the green stuff on his hands that makes him, like, take that bottle and get drunk? Second viewing, I got it. This guy is babbling about something coming from the sky. He's mm-hmm. not talking about Aquaman. We're to understand that one of those parademons came down and, and sank his boat. And that Aquaman came at the right time to save him, and by grabbing this guy, got some of the green alien blood on him. Oh, so that's bug juice on him. Yeah. Yeah. But my God, I mean, where was that fight? I'm I'm like, is he mad that (laughs) oil leaked into the ocean? I didn't get it. You needed this stuff. I get that we can table an Aquaman movie until next Christmas, but we needed to establish who Aquaman is, and this movie absolutely does not. He is, yeah, a big hulking guy who doesn't seem to have any use for the Justice League, and by the end of it... All I get is that he might like Wonder Woman. Better serve, we can debate how much, The Flash, Ezra Miller, he gets a lot more screen time. Not as much as even was in the latest trailer. There's apparently some scenes where we learn more about The Flash and his jobs and a girl he was flirting with. But here, 
We get enough. He was struck by lightning. His dad was convicted of killing his mom. That's a big story that is setting up, I guess, a Flash movie at some point. It goes nowhere here. Yeah, and if you watch the Flash TV show, it all revolves around that. I was going to ask you guys. This is a character I just, I don't like his power. I just think it's dumb. I've just never liked the Flash. You're not into the Speed Force? I don't know what that is, and I'm probably not. <laughs> That's what he's tapped into. <laughs> For me, this is the real weak link in this movie for many reasons. And some of it, the, the way that Ezra Miller is going to play the character, some of it is I just don't think they need this character. He, is, he offers no skill set that Superman can't do. Yeah, like I said, Wonder Woman's going to use super fast speed that we've already talked about. We're going to see a whole joke between him and Superman about that. I do feel like this is the Joss Whedon character. Like, here's the jokey one. Here's really the Spider-Man of the bunch, I feel. Like, he's going to just do quips the whole time. Well, a lot of that was Snyder's own stuff. If you go back even to that Comic-Con trailer, some of the stuff was in it before Whedon ever was involved. But you're talking about my favorite character in this movie here. I've heard that they are trying to make this the breakout character with all the jokes to try to do that lighter DC stuff. Not just that, but his action. And I go back to Avengers 2. Remember when we had the dueling Quicksilvers? We had the Quicksilver in Days of Future Past that just stole the X-Men film. And then we had the Quicksilver in Avengers 2 who was shot down and never did anything except... You didn't see that comic? Well, here we've got a flash that they took notes of what was done with Quicksilver. We're going to have several Quicksilver X-Men-like slow-mo scenes where he's running. It's not going to be to great songs like Time in a Bottle, but he's going to run around with everything in slow motion and get those X-Men Quicksilver-type moments. And yeah, have that Spider-Man sense of humor. I liked this Flash a lot. I wish that they'd gone a little bit more. Don't introduce a father wrongfully convicted in jail unless you're going to do something with it in this movie, but... It's how they're supposed to find him is because although he moves around a lot and is always changing his location, he always returns to Central City to see his father. And so they have somebody, uh, there's the guy that checks him in, hits a button on his cell phone. So that's Bruce Wayne's contact. But it's just such clunky dialogue. I get it. They're trying to do character arcs when his dad at the beginning is like, you're just moving in slow motion and not going anywhere. And by the end, he's like, wow, you're really moving now that you got this job. Like, uh, it's embarrassing. Yeah, he had three jobs or four, and his father's saying, you're wasting your life away working too much, and the big redemptive end is, look, I got a job! <laughs> yeah, but I do feel like you have to have at least one character that wants to be in this team that's like, yeah, this is a cool idea, because no one else wants to be a team, except Batman. He wants to put one together, but no one wants to join him. It's all how it's pitched. To me, it feels like a very unflattering take on a millennial that, you know, is zipping around and can't pay attention, is kind of committed. He just ends up coming off like, you know, we just watched Lego Batman movie. He reminds me of Robin, only unlovable. I find all of his humor and obsessions with brunch and all of his neurosis, what is meant to be so cute about his inability to relate to other human beings, I find him annoying and off-putting. And again, I wonder what he really brings to the team ultimately. I just feel like you could lose him. I like what he does. I honestly, I'll just state this right up front. The only reason you need a team is to bring back Superman and then you can disband the team because Superman does everything. Oh, that you just took my ending conclusion away. <laughs> like that is the problem with this movie. Yeah. Is the only reason there's a team is to resurrect Superman who could do everything by himself. And Flash was needed to provide the electricity for that. He's a human battery. But beyond what he does in this movie or what anybody specifically does in this movie, I like the energy Ezra Miller brings. I don't know if I like Ezra Miller. I've not paid a lot of attention 
attention to him, but I like his character here, and I if out of all the characters in the Justice League, if there was a solo movie for The Flash, that would be the one I would be most excited for. Now, see, and I'm going to say it right now. Red Arrow. I'm zipped into the future, <laughs> and whenever they release it, it's not next year. Next summer was the original date. I'm now hearing 2020, maybe, but I'm not going to recommend it. If this is your Flash, <laughs> oh. I don't like it. I do not like him strongly. So it fails. No need for me to see it. I already have. Fail. I like him quite a bit, but we also disagreed on Ryan Reynolds in almost everything. So, yeah, I think he worked very well as compared to, God, another character with nothing to do and nowhere to go, Victor Stone Cyborg, who I have to assume is all his body parts and his plot are on the cutting room floor. See, I would argue uh, not a super compelling performance, but maybe the most interesting character dilemma. You know, my Marvel equivalent was, I mean, as you said, Flash was obviously Quicksilver. Here, I got a lot of vision. You know, he's being transformed by a power. Because he's got, like, something that looks like a stone in his head. Well, yeah, and we don't know what he's going to become. That he could ultimately be used for a power for evil is a compelling dilemma. That, you know, his body can do something his mind doesn't want it to. If this was a better script, the fact that he was born from a mother box, which I don't know if they make clear in this movie. We kind of got that from Batman v Superman. We see that little clip. But, yeah, the fact that he could unwillingly turn against the team that should be some good drama i don't think they ever exploit it very well in this film no i mean the fact that he's gonna make a gun and shoot superman at one point yeah there's some good ideas here but it's either on the cutting room floor or it never made it into the script there were a lot of scenes with him playing football and out of the bodysuit that were in the early footage. So all origin stuff. Yeah, which would have been nice. I did like his dilemma. I thought that having a guy who's like, we're worried about an alien invasion. It could be me because I have an alien language in my head. I got that he was made from a mother box. It was a little bit confusing the first time I watched it, but they make it pretty clear. And I did remember that scene. And God, we've got... Silas Stone there, they'd make a Frankenstein comparison, and I'm like, this guy can't stop creating Doomsday. He built Skynet in Terminator 2, that actor who plays his father, Joe Morton, and here he's making possibly an alien invasion, but it's why Victor doesn't want to join, he doesn't want to leave the house, he doesn't trust himself, it's not that necessarily he doesn't trust Batman or Wonder Woman, it's going to go away, though. It's just going to be like, hey, I have friends now. Like, the way Flash wanted friends, Victor gets friends, and all of his existential angst just goes away. I think if I was voting, not counting the major three, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, of the new recruits, he is the one with the most potential. That's what I would vote him as. I wouldn't say that I love what he does here. I would say I look forward to his solo movie the most. The problem is, I feel like, yeah, if he got a solo movie, this is the kind of dilemma I think is the most interesting as he's coping with this new cyborg robot body and we got it done really poorly here. That is exactly it. If they hadn't put him in this movie, there's an interesting story that could be written from this dilemma. They didn't do it here and I thought the actor was fine. He's not really done anything before. I don't know what to say about this actor. I absolutely hate the conception. I hate the look of the suit and the cheap CGI and all of that. It just looks really bad. I don't like... Yeah, stay in the hoodie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, it works better when he's in the hoodie, but I just don't think he looks as cool as the other people here do. He's interesting, but he makes no impact here. I think he's driving the plot. I mean, keep in mind here, the Amazonians had one box, the Atlantans had another box, 
He's the one that actually has, well, they call it the change engine. He and his father, that's to them what it is. But it's really the third mother box that was given to man. It was buried and found in World War One. Again, just a line we're told, never shown it, I guess, unless you watch that Blu-ray of Wonder Woman. Yeah, this is their mistake. If this was what they were going to do, put that scene in the Wonder Woman movie. This is what Marvel is good at. They know how to build the stepping stones to get to where they're going. Here, they're telling us to go back and watch the movie again on DVD and in some Easter egg that'll tell us this major plot point. Remember the ending of Wonder Woman was redone and it became that CGI blah fest that it became which was one of the big strikes I had against that movie was its lame fight ending. Maybe this was in that original ending and they're like well crap we built Justice League to tie into this thing that Ares was going after that we completely cut out when it became the power of love or whatever it was. So yeah, it's a matter of reshoots upon reshoots upon reshoots, but I'll take it. You know what? If there was something I missed in Wonder Woman, I'm judging Justice League for Justice League. So the sins of what Wonder Woman did or didn't drop, I got enough that this was being used by the scientists. I guess somehow the mother box and the Kryptonian mothership from Man of Steel that Zod came in on are all being handled by the same scientists at Star Labs? I heard two different things. This is I'm wondering what you guys heard. I thought upon second viewing that Dad wants to experiment more with the change engine and Son has hidden the box from him. I'm not going to allow you to do any more experiments because you're the monster dad. But in fact, we're going to find out these bugs are going to steal all these scientists away because they all smell of the box. Yeah, they've come into contact with the mother box, which I guess, is that Star Labs? Is that the crash Kryptonian ship that Doomsday was built in? Yes. And that is Zod's ship, not Superman's ship. Right. Yeah. Correct. And it's... In Millennium Park in Chicago, which is actually in this world, Metropolis. Yes. Well, and it's weird because Cyborg, he played football for Gotham City. They say like GCU or something, but I guess his dad takes the ferry across to Metropolis to work. And it's even said that two of the scientists are from Gotham and six are from Metropolis. They want to be fair and say that both sides have smart people that are doing something with this ship. But again, it's also nebulous that this box, whatever it is they're doing, it's not important enough to this movie for them to articulate for us. It's only that it brings these parademons to them. And Victor has hidden it well enough that they just have to steal the scientist and torture them on some random island. Who is treated worse in this film? J.K. Simmons or the four (laughs) Russians in the house? I was going to say, yeah, we go to the Gotham City police because they think Batman might be abducting the the scientist. And yeah, we get J.K. Simmons as Jim Gordon for about two minutes total in this entire film. It should be said lots of people are describing it. And, you know, based on a child's drawing, it does look a little bit like a vampire or Batman. Yeah, and I like what Gordon says. Batman's been helping us for 20 years. He's going to start kidnapping people now. But we do, like, during this time, we get this cut to this Russian family, too. We, for reasons I'll never know. Is this Joss Whedon stuff trying yes. to humanize it and Absolutely. put a human face on Steppenwolf's terror in Russia? I'll bet my life on this being a Joss Whedon. We need to have empathy for the people that are in trouble. It's so bad. That we can't just have it that Steppenwolf is setting up home in a nuclear reactor. There has to be stakes. And stakes are that some family was stupid enough after this thing melted 
live down to stay there. There's a whole town there. It's not just that. That's the only people we'll ever see, but there's a whole town around there. Yeah, and they've been forgotten. They get no internet. They have no food, No nothing. Uh, they, a radio that doesn't work. I'm just wondering how Putin has put up with this. Yeah, I'll also bet Stuart's life that this is a Joss Whedon insert. <laughs> I just want to add. I feels like Whedon all over. This is like an extrapolation. I love the scene in Avengers where the waitress looks out the window and sees the Chitauri. Just this brief moment of humanity in battle. But this is like taking that and being like, people like the waitress. Let's have the waitress have a family and have them working on some electronics and show them grabbing bug spray to attack the bugs. Yeah, no, all you gotta do is show the little girl grabbing bug spray and that humanizes it enough. Yes, exactly. It tells us, you know, one of the themes kind of traced in here is about overcoming fear and not letting fear get to you. Even though these horrible monsters are flying all around their house for days or weeks, however long it is, this little girl feels empowered enough to grab bug spray. Maybe we can all be superheroes. Not buying her figure. I'm just going to (laughs) say. This family gets more time than J.K. Simmons or Willem Dafoe, who's totally cut out of the film. Or Amber Heard. Yeah. So let's get a temperature reading here. What we're saying a lot is this movie is cobbled together, confusing. There are things that are not adding up. Are you feeling that in the moment to moment? Are you feeling entertained? Are you enjoying the jokes as they go by? I'm enjoying some of the imagery, like the opening stuff with Batman. It feels very CGI, but it feels something out of a Frank Miller comic. I'm like, this is what feels different with the Zack Snyder stuff is it is more visual based than the Marvel stuff and a lot of great stills. And so there are moments I'm enjoying. I'm like, uh, this team coming together. It's not the greatest, but I'm not hating it at this point. For me, I'm liking the characters. During the first hour, I'm like, okay, Victor seems interesting in his Frankenstein story. Arthur, I don't entirely get, but he's not as bad as I expected. Batman, I'm still really liking Batfleck, although some of his performance in this film, and I couldn't tell you exact scenes. Oh, some of it's awful. Oh, it is. It's almost like maybe it was during reshoot scenes or maybe it was something with Snyder, but he just, some of it is coming off so flat. I was so excited to see Batfleck again, and I was left a bit cold. Wonder Woman was fine, but not overused nor underused. But what I'm really feeling in this first hour is chaos and problems with pacing. Because I checked my watch. Very first time I watched this, I'm like, how long has this been? Because it really feels like the team should be together now. And we have three or four of them going under the tunnels of Gotham to attack Steppenwolf just because he has some scientists that he's interrogating. And I'm like... Okay, maybe this is where the movie will kick into gear, but it felt labored getting them together because they were neither working apart, doing anything, nor were they coming together well. My biggest problem is I feel there's a lot of interesting character potential, like that Batman is suicidal, that he's willing to give his life up to get this team put together and stop this evil. He doesn't care if he lives through it. They make jokes like his superpowers are that he's rich. He doesn't have any powers. Okay, there's an interesting movie there, but because this thing got chopped to hell, anything interesting, it's just potential. It never gets fulfilled. I'm agreeing with a lot of what you're saying, but maybe I don't want it to sound too harsh. I'm getting a lot of this movie conceptually. I'm not feeling particularly energized by it. It's kind of like, okay, well, you're giving me a lot of information. And now, yes, that we're going to this island, now it's time to be the Olympics judge. You know, I always feel like I want to hold up a scorecard when I see the team finally put all their powers together. You know, I give that first Fantastic Four movie like a two. (laughs) This one I give like a 6.7. They work together pretty well 
although I still feel like the team is Wonder Woman with Batman in this Nightcrawler. And you know what I felt this fight should have been? is we've got the team together, but they're not working together well. Because several of them didn't want to be team players, especially Victor. Like, Victor going out on his own to rescue his father. Flash is afraid. We get a replay. I gotta feel this might be a Joss Whedon add-in, because this feels just like Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye in Avengers 2, where Scarlet Witch is afraid, and Hawkeye's like, you go out that door, you're an Avenger. And here Batman gives the rescue just one. Yeah, but I like that moment, though, that they're not all equal. That would be kind of boring if they're already, like, the Justice League, that the Flash, he wants to do good, but he has he's only pushed people out of the way of, like, oncoming cars, I'm guessing. No, I like it, too. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's a replay of something I've seen before. I think it's the best moment of this is that Flash rescues one person and is like, oh, that's easy. I can dodge people and I'll go back in. But I thought that they'd work kind of against each other and not work as a cohesive team. I I think that whole fight got cut out. I truthfully believe they fight as well here as they do at the end. The only reason they win at the end and lose here is Superman. Yeah, no, I feel like if you got a traditional story, yeah, you have the first fight. It's like Big Hero 6. They're not supposed to succeed, but here, I'm guessing that got cut out. And we just go to this fight where they do all right. They save the scientist. We see a bat vehicle that turns into a giant spider for some reason. It looks like the Lego Batman Scuttler, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) That's what I was thinking about. That Scuttler looked more like a bat than this thing. This is a straight up spider. Yeah, I think that this in Wonder Woman is the team, and you just don't need the Flash to come and, like, push the sword to her. Like, to me, the stuff that Flash does, Cyborg, I think, just points where the stairs are so that the people evacuated can get out. (laughs) I don't even think he does anything. Like, he fires his gun once, but I don't think it kills anything. How far did the Flash take people away that Cyborg could just show up there and be like, stairs over there, and then go back to where this Nightcrawler vehicle is, and he's going to interface with it, turn his hands into tentacles in a way that I thought was actually a little bit cool. He doesn't just interface like R2-D2 by jacking into a USB port. He actually has to slip tentacles into the machine. So he's going to pilot the Nightcrawler and fire a missile. It is Victor's arrogance that is going to end the battle. No, It's really a stalemate, though. I don't feel they get their ass handed to them. No, but Batman can drive his own Nightcrawler. You know, you don't need Cyborg to do that. Wonder Woman can get her own sword. Alfred can pilot the Nightcrawler from way back wherever the hell he is. Wayne Manor or whatever. And then Steppenwolf, of course, grabs one of the rockets fired at him, breaks the tunnel, which is a blow sea level, fills with water. And And Aquaman shows up. (laughs) Yeah. He's been swimming there for a while and just happens to show up when the harbor breaks. How did he know that's where they were fighting? Even more lame is like the Flash for only this moment will be shot in the leg and can't run fast. (laughs) So this is necessary for him to not drown to have Aquaman hold back the water. Yeah, and his leg gets healed really fast. Yeah, and he only holds it back enough so the crawler can climb up the wall 10 feet so it won't get covered in water. And then Victor's just going to fly away saying, the mother box, for no reason fly off to go get it. We don't even know why he did. Literally, he leaves his teammates hanging. Well, he puts together Change Engine and Mother Box and realizes they have that third one. Yeah, and I mean, he's interfaced with it. I mean, it is a part of him. And we even see Steppenwolf kind of eyes him and calls him, oh, you were born of her. You're born of chaos. He sees a kinship with this cyborg character, which again, an interesting concept. Could cyborg baby go to Steppenwolf's side willingly or unwillingly? All right, so this is going to lead to a scene that 
this is honestly make or break the movie for me. It's the team after the fight, and they're sitting there having their post-fight discussion, and it really gets into an argument between Wonder Woman and Batman about Steve Trevor and letting go, and Batman wants to bring back Superman. I just think that this leap that we go from... um really a stalemate battle to we need to bring back Superman and this mother box is the way to do it is a hell of a leap. And then this argument between them about Steve Trevor, this feels all out of character. I'm sorry, the bar scene in Suicide Squad had more emotion than all this, you gotta let go. Like, this is Pot and Kettle calling each other black. Batman with his dead pairs that led him to be Batman. And then apparently Wonder Woman, after that first movie, she did nothing until Batman v Superman because she's so broken up over Steve Trevor. I think that will be challenged when they make Wonder Woman 2 in a couple of years. But yeah, we're expected to think that after Steve Trevor died, she never wanted to lead anyone else into battle. I'll be honest. She brings it up three times in this movie. I want her to shut up about Steve, too. I'm on Team <laughs> Bruce at this point. I also think we see in a scene right after this, he was pushing her intentionally not only to take over leadership, but maybe she would kill him. I mean, this is a guy with a death wish. Well, there's... That it's not really driven home that he has a death wish. He does later on say he would happily trade his life for Superman's if that's the trade he has to make. It's not like he's wanting to make that trade. Oh, I think he is. I think he many times. Yeah, he says the wrong person died in that fight. Yeah, and in the end, his final sacrifice, he doesn't expect the bugs not to get him. He is throughout this movie, much like Ben Affleck himself, it's very meta that way. I want off of this train. You take over Wonder Woman. I want to be dead. I definitely thought of that when he says, I don't know how much longer I can do this. I'm like, through the end of the press junket, at least? Can you do that much, Ben? (laughs) But... I just don't buy this. What I thought he said when he was talking to Alfred and saying, I'm trying to push her, is trying to push her into stopping him from bringing back Superman. Like, if she was so convicted that bringing back Superman was the wrong thing, he was going to antagonize her until she physically stopped him from doing it. And since she didn't, he's like, all right, we're going to go ahead and we're going to dig up the body. And... Here's where I really feel something bad has happened in this movie. Is it that they're going to use the same method that Doomsday was born out of to bring back Superman? This is a horrible idea. Well, there is that, but they have a mother box this time. They didn't have a mother box for Doomsday, and they didn't add other DNA. But you can't resurrect without cost. You can't have death be meaningless. How much better this movie would be if something happened, and maybe it's Bruce digging him up at the start of the movie, or maybe his Kryptonian DNA has something, or maybe Supergirl comes off of that other crashed ship. Remember, three ships crashed on Earth. Something resurrects him, but the cost of resurrecting him is you got Steppenwolf's attention. And now, because of Superman's back... Well, they kind of get his attention because of it. Well, he gets the mother box, but he came to the planet. They resurrect Superman as a response to Steppenwolf coming. I'm saying, what is the downside of resurrecting Superman? What is the cost of bringing him back? It's really, yay, we all win! You've got to have a sacrifice. 
I mean, you're talking about from a story standpoint. Yes. There should be a trade. You should have to lose something to get something. You shouldn't just be able to get Superman back. Well, we do lose something. We got to deal with Henry Cavill again. Yeah. You're going to lose my respect for this incarnation of Superman is what gets lost here when they actually dig up the body and throw it into the embryonic tank. I did like the scene when Flash and Cyborg are digging up Superman and having their little conversation that we're the accidents. That's a character moment I really liked between these two. It made me realize my favorite Justice League members are the accidents, not the heroes. But it was a cool little moment. It's one of the few times where you feel like you're learning something about these supporting characters. They're not just being entertaining. Yeah, I don't care about Flash getting hit by lightning, but Cyborg, I want to know more. I'd actually be cool with a Flash and Cyborg team-up film out of this, because I like that they're giving us Flash's origin, but keeping it vague, like the lightning's an oversimplification. But believe me, any scene with these two accidents has more chemistry than any scene between Bruce and Diana. And as far as their origins go, I don't need any more origin stories. I feel like you could have done a big team movie like this. And yeah, you just have these accidents. It's just weird science stuff is going on because we're moving into the future. Or maybe the new gods are coming down with their parademons and these accidents happen. And you're finding these freaks and putting them together as a team. You don't necessarily need a separate origin story for each character. There's lots of team films that don't have that. But this is just not written well. And so you feel like no one ever really gets fleshed out. Yeah, I definitely don't feel a whole lot of love. And I feel like now that they're together, I wish for a better team movie next time. I don't necessarily feel like I need two hours with each one to get the answers that I want from each one. Solo movies after this point might be a mistake. Yeah, you could definitely have a Guardians of the Galaxy-like film. I never want to see Drax go solo, but I like (laughs) seeing Drax with the group, you know? So. I kind of feel that way about Cyborg. I don't know that I want Cyborg to go solo, but I like seeing him with the group. But they bring Superman back. And I have a question about that because going back to the end of Batman v Superman, they did that teaser where like the dirt above his coffin is floating. Does that have anything to do with anything that happens in this movie? Nope. Is there any explanation for that? Nope. Okay. (laughs) The reason why he died, in case you forgot, and I had until I rewatched the movie, he was so weak flying that kryptonite staff that mortal injuries could be inflicted on him. That he got gored by that creature, and so he has a big hole in his stomach, I would think. Like, he'd have, like, organs pouring out of him. But that's not what we see. In fact, Cavill has a CGI muscle body when he busts out of here shirtless and (laughs) seems completely fine. I thought the only thing CGI'd was the lip. You say the muscles are CGI? He moves very, very strangely. Yeah, there's a lot of weird movement when he's... I don't know how you make someone fly worse in 2017 than in the original Superman in the 70s with Christopher Reeves. His movements just look so bad. Yeah, they didn't have enough time to finish this, I guess. Is this a newer scene? Are we to presume because it looks unfinished that it was late in the game? The article I read that did really splice apart what was new and what was old has hypothesized every Superman scene was reshot except for one. And that's the one where he and Cyborg are pulling the boxes apart at the end and say they really want to live. They say that the weird lip is there for just about every other scene. So that means all of this is late in the game. And I will throw out there, we may see better effects come home video. They seriously, the effects team may have just had it ripped out of their hands and they're like, okay, but we're still rendering and we'll have it better when it goes to home media. That's what it looks like. I don't know. I can say this much. We might have wanted to see 
see Batman and Superman fight? Did we really want to see all of them fight Superman? Did we want to see him wake up evil? Yeah, why else say that the entire team is unnecessary than to have Superman kick their ass when he's not even in his right mind? Yeah, and this just drives home my feelings about this version of Superman, that he's a jerk. If this was somehow the real plot coming together, dealing with evil Superman, Pet cemetery Superman, whatever you want to call him, that feels like there's more character moments here, but this just feels like filler at this point. Like, let's bring in the big guns. I know who the big guns in is. It's Lois Lane. That is obvious, and I wondered if that was a callback to the Flash's cameo in Batman v Superman, where he says, Lois is the key. Is that what this means? Yeah, I was trying to figure if that was this moment or if that's going to happen when Darkseid shows up. It's still to come. I mean, yeah, I think it tells us that Batman is going to kill Lois Lane at some point, that last movie. I actually liked that basically Superman couldn't control his powers. It was just like the beginning of Man of Steel. The world's too big. And they cut a scene at the Kent farm where Ma Kent was going to show up and say, make the world smaller again and show him how to control his hearing and how to control his vision and all of that again. That was Snyder's scene. Here... We just see him use the x-ray vision and then Cyborg can't control his armor and accidentally shoots him because he's feeling threatened. And this Superman is such a dick. Lois Lane shows up. All he cares about is flies off. Doesn't care about saving the world. Yeah, I, you know what? I fought you on your hatred towards Superman for so long. <laughs> I was right. Admit it. In this movie, I don't like him. I don't like that he wakes up evil. And then when he realizes who he really is, he needs to spend 24 hours standing outside his family farm with this woman. I think that that's incredibly stupid. I'm fine with Superman not wanting to save the world. Though Superman doesn't know the world's in danger. And I like the resolution of Batman versus Superman. Because now Superman says to Batman, do you bleed? And then I gotta think this is a Whedon insert when he's like, yeah, something's bleeding. But they have that moment. Superman is right to be somewhat pissed. You wouldn't let me live. You wouldn't let me die. What? They brought him back so he could be with the woman he loves. I'm pissed because this Justice League, they're idiots. We see the mother box crash on top of some car, and they just totally forget about it until Steppenwolf shows up. Yeah, again, I think that by Flash triggering it, Steppenwolf knows to come down. He would have gotten it anyway, but... Yeah, the fight should have been with Steppenwolf. The fact that we fight Superman, I guess, is just more playground curiosity. Is Wonder Woman stronger than Superman? Who would win in a fight? I think there's some fun of that because every superhero team-up movie we've had, Avengers, Civil War, Avengers 2, and even Thor Ragnarok, we've had our heroes fight each other and seen who comes out on top. And so here, yeah, we had Batman versus Superman last time. Here we're going to get... I liked that Superman gives Wonder Woman a headbutt and she's like hurt but gives one right back and then he gives her a real one down into the cement and she's out my favorite moment actually and again i think this film looks great when it's just like freeze frame pictures is you get superman he's being taken out by three of them and the flash oh. goes to like zoom in around him and you see cavill you his eye just kind of moves to the side because he could actually tracks the flash as he's moving really fast i did like i thought that was a cool scene that was great and i loved ezra miller's Face when he realizes, crap, this guy could keep up with me. And that just that look of shock and that slow-mo fight. My favorite part of Superman going evil is everything about The Flash. Yeah, I, if they wanted to make that movie, and they already have made that movie, by the way, Superman 3. <laughs> we didn't like it. I did. 
But if they wanted to make a movie about Superman coming back evil, this didn't feel set up in that way. I guess I'd be open to it, but the way that they do it here feels stupid. The resolution feels worse. And something just about Henry Cavill's performance now. Some of it's got to be the CGI mouth work, but his voice, everything about him is unappealing. I just don't think he cares. I mean, if you watch interviews with this guy, he clearly doesn't play up to the comic fans like a lot of the actors well oh yeah it's so great to be thor whoever he doesn't care yeah i i wouldn't be happy to be in this script either i feel it is a lot of build up to nothing but i also feel like he didn't take the opportunities for the few scenes he's in this movie to do anything to remind us why he is hope and truth and the american way there's certain scenes of his i do like i don't feel as strongly against him as apparently either of you do This beginning, I don't think he's playing it very well. We are going to be discussing Henry Cavill with Hellraiser 8, so I think he should be damn grateful that he's Superman. He escaped Hellworld. But here in these early scenes, I don't like him. I like him when he comes back at the end. And you know who I have to give a lot of credit to, though, is Danny Elfman. One of the big things that was controversial when Whedon took over There was a score for this movie by Junkie XL. Yeah, who's done the other DC Universe films. Yeah, Joss Whedon threw it in the junkie pile and brought in Elfman. Is this all Elfman? Because I heard the John Williams Superman sting. I heard Batman 89 stings. So Elfman did everything here. Elfman did everything. He brought in the old Wonder Woman score from, you know, the rock score from the new movies. Yeah. Elfman went on the record and said... People who reboot universes are being stupid by losing the iconic scores. And he's right. He points out James Bond. They rebooted James Bond with Casino Royale. They didn't lose the trademark score from the very end of that film and bringing it back at the moments it mattered. And so he brought back his Batman score for Batman. He brings back some John Williams stings here and there. It works and it makes me like Superman more when I hear that music behind him. Because it reminds you of a better film, at least for me. Yeah, that's a weak defensive. I like Superman later because they play the theme song. I'm just saying it helps create the right mood when he says, I like truth, but I also stand for justice. Here, though, these scenes with him and the scenes on the farm where he won't go in the house because he's been in a wooden box too long, I don't care for him. They're very bad. And the whole mother showing up feels obligatory. Oh, good, you called mom. And Lois is like, I wish you'd taken longer to recover because that way the earth would be dead, but I'd hold you while it dies. Yeah, you have to think that Lois is pretty selfish here. She eventually will tell him, go work with Bruce, but she wants to keep him here on the farm. And I'm sorry, there's bigger stakes here. If you're telling me the world is about to be reconfigured by three magic boxes, the villain now has every second counts. And truthfully, the character I hate in this movie, hate, is Lois Lane. I can't stand what they've done to Lois Lane in this movie. (laughs) That she's writing, like, bad BuzzFeed blog posts? Yes. I can't stand any Amy Adams scene in this movie, which is a shock, because I usually like Amy Adams. And in this movie, every scene with her, I'm like, no, no. You're telling me you can't live without a man? You're Lois Lane. You... How long was he in your life? You know, it didn't seem like it was that long. You guys didn't seem that close in Batman v Superman. Yeah, but there's also, they're trying to get to the whole fake news thing. The idea the world is broken and no one considers journalism important anymore. And she just kind of given up. I mean, she has this scene with Martha where I think they're underlying what we're supposed to understand that without Superman, there is no hope on this planet. I mean, I honestly think it's the closest to a 
spiritual theme that this film gets is that it's really saying we need God. What did we do for the millennia before Superman? Well, we've always had God. And I think that in this conception and in the Donner one, he is seen as some extrapolation of our savior. So Jesus was enough. Catholicism was enough to keep Steppenwolf away until Superman showed up and replaced it. I take it to mean that that is what this movie, if it's about anything at all, is that we have broken up. As a world, we now think of ourselves, we're selfish, we don't believe news, we're, we need to come together just like the Justice League needs to come together and the world will be a brighter place. Yeah, they come together to take on Russia, right? Just like we need to come together <laughs> in the U.S. This was going to be Chernobyl in Zack Snyder's script. It feels like it should have been. But Joss Whedon here changed it to... Fakistan? Bizarnoff. Yeah, I, I thought we might find Bizarro in Bizarnoff. <laughs> it's got to be somewhere, and it's fine. We've seen nuclear reactors many times in this series. It's not novel. And yeah, basically, we're going to have a big fight in a place that's lowly populated. We will mostly know about the people in danger because of the Russian family that's going to be trying to escape and pick up from giant purple tentacles that are busting out of the ground. In the second viewing, I found three more Russians. When these four Russians are getting in their truck, three more Russians are running on foot. But other than that, I'm like, there's nobody here. Yeah, there's like an apartment building. We don't see anyone in it, but Superman will save it. And that felt to me like an overcorrection of Man of Steel when everybody's still complaining, oh, Superman just let the city be destroyed. Superman is like told, hey, you have to stop Steppenwolf so Victor could do his thing. And Superman goes, innocence and flies off that's like no <laughs> you actually need to save the world this time let's break this down they show up wherever this is in russia bizarre enough. <laughs> batman goes off by himself he's gonna sacrifice himself he's got his batmobile it's got that siren that we thought repelled parademons but now it's gonna attract him apparently he could bust open a fourth world force field with just a missile <laughs> drives in that was really convenient <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of laughing at it. Like, they don't care at this point. It's just, it, we're just going to do an action film, and it's not going to be smart at all. The story arcs for the three main characters are here. I do feel like Wonder Woman, by becoming the leader, makes the decision, rather than go after Steppenwolf, she is not going to leave a man behind. If she can rescue Steve Trevor, who in this form is Bruce Wayne, she's going to do it, and so she's not going to let him die with a bunch of bugs ripping up the Batmobile. To me, that is the best kind of payoff we get. But truthfully, very first time watching this, I see they're going to Bizarnov and they've formed the team unit. Superman has been sent by Lois. I know what's going to happen. I check my watch and maybe I'm feeling superhero fatigue, but I'm like, great. Let's have the big CGI 30-minute battle before we get to the end now. Yeah. I mean, it's just nothing here feels like it has stakes. This is just... Another bad guy who's going to get repelled. Can they do cool stuff with the characters? They do cool moves. Aquaman is going to air surf a bug. Looks awful. And Batman's going to crash his flying troop carrier and jump out the back while moving in his Batmobile. And I thought that looked kind of cool. There's little moments, but really, you just end up with... Aquaman and Wonder Woman pounding on bad CGI Steppenwolf while Victor tries to get to the box. Flash, we gotta have something for you to do, so go rescue those four. And Batman sits at a distance. He actually picks up an alien gun and just starts shooting. Yeah, he just ends up shooting people with a gun. It's ridiculous. And here's the problem. I mean, we've already said it, but... 
This team is not needed. They're there to just hold things off until Superman stops being a dick and shows up to save the day. There is no reason for this Justice League. You only need Superman. And Victor. I think Wonder Woman could have taken him. I honestly think that if it ends up being about you just have to knock his axe out. I mean, Superman blows it cold so that she can shatter it, but she's the one that takes away his axe And that's the reason why Steppenwolf is ultimately defeated, is that he shows fear. Without his axe, he's nothing. Yeah, and Superman could have punched the axe after he blew cold air on it. It's like, Wonder Woman, you're right there. Do you mind doing this for me? I think Superman can even pull apart the unity, these three mother boxes. I mean, yeah, they have some gobbledygook science, but I feel like Superman could have just done everything here. Once Superman shows up, he takes down Steppenwolf. I'm sorry, but Aquaman and Wonder Woman both pound on Steppenwolf for 10 minutes and he does not look at all injured. It's when Superman shows up that Steppenwolf is put down. You don't need a league, you need a Superman. And that's the problem. In Justice League comics, the reason a lot of people like them because they are the big stories. It's the stories where it's not just Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman that can save the day. It's you need this entire team of superheroes and this movie fails at selling that concept. Yeah, what I took from this setup was that Batman felt like he couldn't do it anymore. Superman could, but he got him killed. He feels incredible guilt about that and wants to die and thinks that if he can just get Wonder Woman and whoever, some sea stringers on board, that that will be enough to compensate for a no Superman. But once you bring Superman back, well, then that solves the problem. You didn't kill him and we don't need a sea stringer team. And you're even going to buy this house back. So, I mean, at the end, Bruce says, I just corrected a mistake. This entire movie is attempting to correct a mistake. Why did he need to buy the bank to get the house back? It was in foreclosure. Just buy the house. This is fun. And this was done in the bail version, too. Sometimes it was fun to watch Bruce Wayne just use his money to solve a problem rather than put on a cowl and punch someone. I mean, that is a superpower. He's rich. Yeah. And I think that's good. I mean, again, I'm hearing a lot of complaints about all this. That's not the way that I'm experiencing all of this movie. I think some of it is working and some of it isn't. But I think you guys are right to cite what is problematic here, which is that the team gets a 6.7. It does not feel like they've earned being called a super team. Yeah, no, this is kind of working as just, again, a generic superhero action film. I'm glad it's only two hours. I don't want three hours of this. It's moving along briskly, but if I have to sit here and talk about character and relationships, it's all pretty garbage. We get that epilogue, right? That, okay, so evil goes down. It's the parademons themselves, I think, that eat Steppenwolf? Yeah, because Steppenwolf is afraid of Superman, and so they attack him. Back to Darkseid, I guess, for failing. Right, and then we kind of see where everybody's at here. Aquaman, no chance. Again, I know nothing about this guy. Uh, (laughs) Barry is going to join a crime lab. I guess he could have his own CSI spinoff, as he should so choose. But he makes his dad proud because he's going to eventually prove that his dad didn't do it. I don't know. I was starting to think the way the dad kept saying, move on with your life, that was an admission of guilt. (laughs) I thought so too, honestly. But I, you know, obviously that can't be the story. And eventually we'll get the movie to explain whatever the hell that is. Wonder Woman, I think she gets some development here. You know, she says she works with children. Her final shot in this movie is that she is going to spend her time after busting some crooks at a museum 
doing some PR work. She's talking to kids. She's mentoring people to be heroes. She's not running away now that they're all lassoed. But it's not satisfying to me. It's words that are said. We, yeah, we get these little scenes. I don't feel like these are arcs I was invested in throughout the film. That Oh gosh, I hope Wonder Woman gets over Steve and becomes a true leader. They're saying a lot of that stuff. I just don't feel it. This is emotionally empty to me. Oh yeah, yeah I agree. It feels very workmanlike. It feels very much like a cut and paste job. And I mean, I laugh at the end is, you know, Lois is finally returned to the typewriter and she's going to be. Oh, I tuned out. I tuned out with that monologue. It is so bad. Yeah. You know, it's basically she's just saying there's hope again in the world. If you look up in the sky, it's no longer dark here. Yeah, because they took the gray filter off. I mean, if Snyder (laughs) were filming that scene, it would still look gray. But the point is that they have completely removed Snyder's influence by the end of this. This team doesn't seem to have any angst now that it's a assembled it's kind of i mean i don't get the sense dark side might be coming but i don't get any darkness to the world it feels like all things are done they don't even need to make another justice league movie they've solved all the problems of the world by the end of this movie they're going to become the knights of the round table in the shelled (laughs) out wayne manor i guess they're not going to have that building that i guess was in cleveland or wherever it was the hall of justice they're just going to have the wayne manor with a round table six chairs Room for more. Yeah, room for more. Oh, gosh. I just rolled my eyes. If this is their idea of, like, bright and happy DC Universe, go back to the Snyder (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Have Superman break some more necks. It's less saccharine. Yeah, have Superman (laughs) smash some chairs. I don't want room for more. Have Superman race the Flash and see who's better. Yeah, I mean, this is a nod. This has always been a thing in the DC universe. You could find probably a billion forums debating who's the fastest one, the Flash or Superman. They've done it in the comics a ton of times. But Flash wins, right? I mean, because we know Flash can run so fast he can travel through time, and I've never seen Superman do that. Yes, you have. Oh, well, we did in the Superman movie. (laughs) He turned the world backwards and stopped the earthquake from happening. It's not the same. But yeah, I think in the comics, I think Superman's only won once. Usually it's a tie. I want to give it to Flash because I want him to be good at something. I mean, again. (laughs) Yeah, we need some reason for the Flash. If Superman's faster than him, he's nothing. This is his own raison d'etre. You know, he's got to be the fastest. If he's not, he's shit. Yeah, if he even ties Superman, then he's already not worth anything. You know, mm. he's got to be at least a second faster because he, Superman has the strength, the breath, the heat vision, the flying. If Superman is equally as fast and Wonder Woman, as Jacob has already pointed out, then what exactly is Flash bringing to the table besides some good lines? I mean, the Flash in the comics, I don't know if they'll ever bring this up in the movies. He can vibrate really fast and go into different dimensions. Well, that's faster than Superman. Yeah, there you go. But we don't usually get mid-credit sequences here. I I was preparing to leave. I was only going to stay out of a sense of loyalty. I really did not expect there to be a mid-credit stinger or a final stinger. No, DC has been the anti-Marvel. We're not going to play that gimmick. Oh, wait, we're going to play that gimmick. Yeah, now that Joss Whedon's on board. I feel like they're in winning here. They're losing. They're saying, okay, we made the movie but they're doing it as a copycat that they really want to be Marvel. And maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. Marvel has a proven formula that's working for them, but it is sad to see someone give up on their path and copy their enemy. (laughs) Lex Luthor is back. He's a little less giggly here on the yacht. And who is this one-eyed Deadpool they call Mr. Wilson? This is the original Deadpool, Slade Wilson, Deathstroke, the Terminator. 
Deathstroke. Yeah, this is who they copied for Deadpool, his design and everything. Yeah, the way Thanos ripped off Darkseid, Deadpool was kind of a parody of Deathstroke here. I'm thinking the reason we had a post-credit scene is out of three hours of footage, there was this little stinger and they'd promised Deathstroke's cameo in this movie and they'd filmed Deathstroke breaking Lex out of prison and this scene, it felt like out of all the footage and plot lines we're cutting, we could leave this isolated scene in as an Easter egg to say, hey, we said Jesse Eisenberg and Deathstroke were in this movie, here you go, and maybe set up a Legion of Doom or an Injustice League for Justice League 2. I'm glad they did it because if they didn't, I would feel like, like I just said, that there was no more conflict in the world, that there was nothing to fear anymore because Superman was back and with hope all problems can be solved. But this character wasn't in the cartoon Justice League, the only thing I know about the Hall of Doom. You're no Solomon Grundy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want Solomon Grundy. I think Deathstroke, he's either been in the Flash or the Green Arrow television series. He's showing up. So he's out there in the pop cultural sphere. So Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Justice League? Jacob. Just like all those other DC movies, two hours crapping on the film, then I'm going to recommend it. Is that what I'm going to do? Uh, no, I struggled with this one because it's a competent action film. It breezes by in that two hours. Here's the thing, though. This is what really helped me decide which era I'm going with. And I'm, I don't want to make this a DC versus Marvel, but I thought about that first Avengers film and the effect that one had on me. Black Widow, she was crap in Iron Man 2. That Avengers film, I wanted more Black Widow. I wanted her to get a film. The Hulk, not in great movies. I wanted a Hulk film. Thor, not in a great movie. I wanted the Thor film. Like, that Avengers movie, when they came together as a team... I wanted more of all those separate characters. Now, Thor of the Dark World, maybe I didn't want that, but we did eventually get Ragnarok. So my feeling with the Justice League was the total opposite. I'm like, ew, I don't want to deal with these characters anymore. I'm done. I don't want Batfleck. I don't, I've never wanted more of this Henry Cavill Superman. Even Wonder Woman, I'm like, I like that first film. I don't know if I want another one. And I just didn't want anything else to do with these characters. There's nothing in this film. Again, there's a lot of lip service given to arcs and character, but I just don't feel anything. This feels like watching cutscenes in a video game where I'm like, well, can I just get to the new level where I could actually play and do something? I'm not enjoying this. So I, again, it's a barely competent action film, but with that lack of just emotional attachment to any of these characters where I just don't care about them and I actively don't want to see them in another movie, even maybe Wonder Woman, which is saying a lot, that makes me go, it's a weak not recommend, but it is a not recommend. Stuart. Yeah, that sounds like a not recommend. I don't want to see these people again. Yeah, I don't think you could endorse this movie then. You know what? Timing's everything. I honestly think, you know, I was remembering of that scene in the last one, Batman versus Superman, where Flash comes and he's like, am I too soon? I'm like, this may be too late. If this movie had come out after Batman and Robin, we'd be saying this is great. They're really getting it on track. They're giving us something new. But 10 years of Marvel movies and all kinds of superhero movies, this feels like a whole lot of lack of ambition. And it sounds like they had a whole lot of ambition that just ended up getting cut, but what they cut it down to was mediocrity. What you have here after Nolan, after Marvel, is in no other better word can I say meh. I mean, meh. Do I like it? Meh. Do I dislike it? Meh. <laughs> Marvel made it look easy. 
You know, this movie strains to get its team together. It strains to find a villain for them to fight. It strains to find its voice. I think it could get better. I do believe that now that the team is together and next time they'll have money that they can put up on screen instead of on the cutting room floor, they could really deliver a good movie. This movie is not nearly as good as Avengers, but I don't know. I was thinking of other comparatives to help me find which way the arrow was going to turn. It's kind of on par with Ultron, a movie I had a lot of problems with. It's very on par with the first X-Men movie, which I did recommend, but which did feel very cheap and very abbreviated and felt like they should have done more than they did. When I think about Wonder Woman, when I think about Cyborg, when I think about what this team could do, and basically my warm memories of childhood in the cartoon, I think that this could end up being a franchise that's something. I did end up liking the X-Men movie that came afterwards a lot. So as far as the future of Justice League, I think it could be Blue Skies. Here, oof, ah... I'm going to go green because I can't work up any anger for it. I'm going to say that it's a passable time. And if you're not fatigued with superheroes, here's another one. I do agree with you about timing because I was thinking that this movie is fine-ish in certain regards. And when I walked out, I'm like, okay, there's major, major problems with this film. This CGI is on par with Ang Lee's Hulk. Mm Mm-hmm. This story is chopped up to a point that my direct comparative, the movie I felt this emulated the absolute most was Suicide Squad. In so many ways, we had directors who had specific visions where they had to be changed up, lightened up, shortened. You have stupid villains with stupid henchmen that really don't make sense and a team that has to form of people we're supposed to care about but not given much backstory on. And in the end, you end up with Killer Croc or in this case, Cyborg. So that's a recommend, because you like that. Both you and Jacob recommended that movie. Yeah, that was my comparative. And I talked about the bad CGI, and honestly, if I made a pros and cons list about what I liked and what I didn't like about this movie, the cons list is much longer, but then when you qualify that instead of quantify that, the pros are pretty strong. I think they actually have a decent cast going here. I think the six they have, they all could be really good, but I didn't enjoy watching any of the action and that villain is really lame. Then I went back, and that's perhaps the worst thing for it, is the second time I watched this, the goods went away, and the bads flooded over me. I can't imagine sitting through this a second time in such a short period. No, I I just sat there, and I was repulsed by this movie. I was hating watching this movie a second time, and I was seeing the flaws in the performances. I didn't even smirk the second time I saw this film. I agree with you also, Stuart. When Joss Whedon made Avengers, I mean, we as critics know how tricky it is to take all these individual personalities and make them work individually as an ensemble film. And I think we all agreed Joss Whedon made Avengers look effortless. Here, this movie shows you exactly how much effort it takes because it is straining and sweating under the load. So... I'm going to just give this a weak red arrow. I just don't think that the crew is as likable as the Suicide Squad, you know? I think that's what it comes down to is here, after the second viewing, 
I just didn't like this Justice League, and I've struggled with it really hard, but I gotta go red. Yeah, it's so mediocre. I did struggle because it's such a mediocre film. I guess I'm just like Ben Affleck in this movie. When he sees Superman come back, he's like, I don't not not like you. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm feeling. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't like them. You're right. I don't root for them. I'm not fist pumping the air, but I'm not angry at them either, except for Superman. I do hate what they did with him here. <laughs> I'm so glad you finally see that. <laughs> yeah, no, in this movie, I'll side with you on that. They just, it's a misservice of him. But I feel like there is potential here, unrealized, and I feel like you just got to give them time to grow into it. When I walked out of that film the first time, I was exactly there. You couldn't have summed up my feelings better with, I don't not, not like you. All right. So with all of that said, how about some more? Yeah, there is so much in the pipeline. I made a list. There's 18 films in the pipeline, none of which are Man of Steel 2. <laughs> Good. Here's the thing. There's 30 Transformers movies. There's umpteen Fast and the Furious. Yeah, everyone's got ambitions. How many in the dark universe of uh, Universal Monsters? Everyone wants to copy Avengers. And what we're seeing time and again is it's not so easy once you're finally there. You can have all the money in the world. You can have your own actors and talent. But it could not come together nearly as successfully. And I think that DC is doing it better than Universal Monsters. So I'll give them that. But yeah, they ought to scale down their ambitions and really focus on making a really good movie again like Wonder Woman. But here's everything in the pipe. And I'll tell you right now, I think only two of them are really happening. December 21st, 2018, we're going to get Aquaman. I don't know anything about Aquaman to make a decision. And what he showed me when he didn't have the last of, of truth around him was that he could be pretty one note. That's usually not the kind of character I gravitate towards. Scheduled right now for spring 2019, Shazam starring The Rock and Zachary Levi. No one wants Shazam. I ugh, Every time I hear they're doing a Shazam movie, why? Yeah. And The Rock will play Black Adam. Yeah, he's not even the superhero. Then I really believe this will happen. Wonder Woman was such a success. November 2019, Wonder Woman 2. They kind of got themselves into a knot here by saying she didn't do anything for a hundred years. I'm not sure what the sequel, what time period. I gotta imagine it's modern day. Yeah. yeah. I guess they won't do any more, period. She won't go to Vietnam. She won't go to any other era. Then in 2020, Cyborg. I want to know more. That part they're right about. He deserves a backstory. I'm not sure he deserves a backstory feature film. Just a couple months after that in 2020, our Green Lantern Corps. Oh, Jesus. No way. And then in the pipeline, announced, but no release dates stated, Batgirl by Joss Whedon. Because Joss Whedon's involved, I have a little more faith in it. The Batman by Matt Reeves, maybe without Affleck. And apparently Matt Reeves has started courting Jake Gyllenhaal to take the Batman role. He was going to be Spider-Man at one point. I guess he can be Batman. Also announced Flashpoint, the time travel Flash film. He's got his cosmic treadmill where he could travel through time. Time travel's tricky, but I know they've optioned Robert Zemeckis on that, and he's done Back to the Future movies. It could work in that same way. Gotham City Sirens, that Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Catwoman movie. Can't believe that's happening. Justice League Dark, where we're going to have Swamp Thing and... I did like that comic where it was all like, yeah, the monsters and magic users of the DC universe is a Justice League. Nightwing, the story of grown-up Robin. Yeah, we don't even know what happened to Robin. We saw that suit in Batman v Superman, but... 
Who knows where he's at currently in this DC universe? Suicide Squad 2. I don't know if that's going to happen. Black Adam. So now a movie starring The Rock after he gets his start in Shazam. <laughs> what? They're going to do a villain movie about him? Then Deadshot is going to get his own movie, Will Smith. No, he's not. And Deathstroke is going to get his own movie. Also, probably not. No. And then Harley Quinn and the Joker are going to go off and do their own movie. Hey, there's an idea. Why not do something with Joker now that we have an actor that's alive? <laughs> I can't believe that's not already in production, as popular as Harley Quinn was. Lobo? <laughs> oh, he's, he's a space bounty hunter. He was basically like DC's answer for Wolverine. The grim and gritty. But yeah, he's a space bounty hunter. I can't imagine. Guardians of the Galaxy throws everything off. That succeeded, so who knows? And finally, Justice League 2. Again, if you're telling me out of all of that, what would be the most intriguing, get us back to Batman. He is the first thing you see in the DC logo at the beginning for a reason. He remains the best DC character on film. He's your strongest hook. I also know you failed to mention we're going next summer to see something that I don't understand. Right. You're talking about a cartoon. It's not in continuity. It may be better than all these movies, though. I know my girls love Teen Titans Go. I saw a couple still images. It looked like Powerpuff Girls. It looked very, very different in spirit. It's a comedy. It'd be more akin to Lego Batman. Well, that's what we have coming up in the DC Comics universe. But on our feed, the next two weeks, we've got a couple of Death Wish movies. We're going to get two weeks of consecutive Death Wish? And one of them's called Death Sentence and doesn't have <laughs> Paul Kiersey in it. So it's kind of the same. And then for those who want to hear us review more Henry Cavill, is he better in Hellworld than he is in Justice League? <laughs> yeah, there are some surprises in the, in the Hellraiser franchise, and that is unfolding now. It's going to take a couple weeks before we get there. Right now, we're at Hellraiser 4, which is very ambitious. We go all the way from revolutionary France to outer space. A turning point, I would say, for the entire series. So again, we eagerly invite you to become a Gold Level donor. You're going to get nine Hellraiser movies this year, as well as the five Phantasm movies we did at Silver Level already. And if you want to go even bigger and better, there's the Playing Level, where we cover all of the Child's Play movies, including the new one, Cult of Chucky, and the Platinum Level, where we're covering three Jeepers Creepers movies on top of Hellraiser Phantasm. And... In case you don't realize, we reviewed Lego Batman this past week. That is a review for our now-playing patrons who do a monthly pledge to our show. And if you do $10 or more, you get access to all of our patron-exclusive reviews, including Lego Batman, Get Out, Galaxy Quest, The Warriors, Coherence, Monster Trucks. And coming up next month, we're doing Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions. And we're going to be doing one per month now because we have hit a milestone target with our patron campaign. But also, for just about the next month, every patron we gain of $10 or more, I'm going to donate a toy to Toys for Tots on December 15th. But right now, I'm looking at how many patrons we have at $10 or more, and whatever the difference is between that number today... And that number on December 15th, I'm going to take that many toys to Toys for Tots. So if you're a $5 patron, you can bump it up for a month to $10. i will take a toy to Toys for Tots. Or if you aren't a patron and you want to hear these bonus shows, 
There's a link from the donate page on Now Playing. If you just scroll down a little bit and you can hear all of these bonus reviews for patrons only. And no matter what, I do suggest in this holiday season, support your favorite charity. Every year I try to go out for Toys for Tots anyway, but I want this to kind of give me motivated to donate a little more. And thank you to everyone who's donated to our show to keep us going this year and into the 2018. So, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. Justice has been served. Awesome. As a bad signal, that's your... Oh, shit, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Yeah, that's, that's what that means. It's so cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's DC Movie Universe Retrospective Series. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Stay down! I wanted it, you'd be dead already. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. Can you imagine how people on this planet would react if they knew there was someone like this out there? And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss the DC movies with other listeners. I'm in. You are? Just like that? Yeah. I, I need friends. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other comic book films, such as Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, The Avengers, X-Men, The Punisher, and Fantastic Four. I can't wait to show you my toys. You can also listen to our reviews of other movie series, including The Fast and the Furious, Mission Impossible, Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, and many more. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at NowPlayingPodcast.com. The world's too big, Mom. Then make it small. If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Get reviews of 125 films our hosts love. Not sold anywhere commercially in the world, even Black Market. You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. This might be the only thing I do with the I know you're trying to find out where I hang my cake. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Support from listeners like you. Help keep Now Playing operating. It would be a huge burden for anyone to bear. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. No money, no honey. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouth pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. <laughs> nice suit, son. Now Playing is edited by Arnie. That's how it starts. The fever. The rage. The turns, good men. Cruel. Now playing credit narration by Brock. Sorry, the voices. I'm kidding. That's not what they really said. Now playing is not affiliated with DC Comics or Warner Brothers Pictures. DC Comics and all that the DC Universe contains are copyright and trademark Warner Brothers Entertainment, and no infringement is intended. I've seen it, Mr. Wayne. He thinks he's above the law. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. Today, 
is a day for truth. Now playing as a Venganza Media production, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Oh, wow, they just, they really just vanish. Huh? Oh, that's rude. The Wonder Woman, the Pleasure Island sequence here. It's the Paradise first- Island. Paradise Island. Pleasure Island. Oh, it's not Pleasure Island? <laughs> no. Oh. Maybe with bikinis and the male gaze yeah, it is. I mean, you know, it's close enough. Pleasure Island. And with, I think I might have said it before, so you might have just cut it. Yeah, that. you did. I just, I thought you were making a joke. No, I thought that was what it was called. All right. Um, what's it called? Paradise Island. Paradise, Paradise. Island. Okay.